Tonight I want to talk about trusting our Lord in regard to serving Him. You can turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. The title of my message is this. What's in it for us? What's in it for us? I uh, spent enough time with the folks here at Bible Baptist. You uh, very quickly begin to recognize the people in the church that are faithful and serving. And I know that I'm speaking to a lot of the dear folk here at the church, to a couple that are pastor and Mrs. Pastor, to Brother Dan and Kelly Bishop, who uh, I had the privilege of teaching, and they've been serving the Lord now for a number... How many years, Kelly? Seven years, and, and friends with my daughter, uh, good friends. Uh, what I'm about to show you from the lips of our Lord is not just true of people in what we call full-time ministry. This is true, I think, of all of us who are saved and have been for, for a number of years trying to serve Christ, trying to be faithful. Now, before we do, do that, um, I thought I'd share some uh, moments of wisdom from this gentleman who I find quite funny. Um, some of these are so true. He uh, says, why do I have to press one for English when you're just going to transfer me to someone I can't understand anyway? He says, of course I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice. My people skills are just fine. It's my tolerance of idiots that needs work. The kids text me P-I-Z, which is shorter than please. So I text back no, which is shorter than yes. I like this one. I'm going to retire and live off my savings. Not sure what I'll do that second week. Ladies, chocolate comes from cocoa, which is a tree. That makes it a plant, which means chocolate is salad. Here's another one for us a little bit older folk. Wouldn't it be great if we could put ourselves in the dryer for 10 minutes, come out wrinkle-free and three sizes smaller? I'm all for that. Uh, this one is sadly becoming me. I do not trip over things. I just do random gravity checks. When I was a child, I thought nap time was a punishment. Now as a grown-up, it feels just like a short vacation. Here's one. If God wanted me to touch my toes, he would have put them on my knees. And lastly, even duct tape can't fix stupid, but it can muffle the sound. So just some random thoughts from this fella. Um, it's been a joy to be here, and uh, we'd love to stay. I wish we were spending the night, but got to get up five and and to get ready for our young people. They've been gone since Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of last week. We start Missions Week. And uh, so we'll sp I, I walked over and just, actually, I didn't even open the door to the gym. I just stood there and smelled. Oh, my word, it smells good. So I was going to leave right after the service, but the Lord has mysteriously led me to stay for a few minutes <laughs> and, and fellowship with you guys. But thank you for having us. In... Um, in Matthew chapter 20, we're going to look at the first 16 verses. And it won't be long, I pray, because when there's food, uh, Baptist preachers want to fellowship. 
And if you go back and you were to read chapter 19, toward the end, Peter and the apostles are walking with Jesus and they um, watch as a rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? Now, the Bible says that this man was very wealthy. And he was sorry that Jesus talked to him the way he did. But Peter noticed this was a wealthy man. Watch what happens in, in chapter 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Hence the title of my message. What's in it for us? See, Peter listened to Jesus speaking to this man. And it occurred to Peter, you know, I don't have much of anything. In fact, I left my good business being a fisherman. Lord, we've been following you now. And by the time you get to Matthew 20, it's the third year. There's basically just months left before Jesus is going to go to the cross. Peter starts looking at this rich man and he asks a question. Now, Jesus detected in his question a problem. And I'm here to tell you, as someone who has tried um, more than 38 years, but my wife and I have been married and in ministry together 38 years, but before that, even as a teenager, I tried to serve God. And I think it's very easy from time to time for people that are very faithful to look around at others and and maybe say, and you don't say it out loud, Peter said it out loud, Lord, we've been following you. In fact, we forsook everything. What's in it for us? I love Jesus' answer. Um, he said unto them, notice not just to Peter, but to his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the re regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on, in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit uh, upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. So notice, brethren, he directly answers Peter. Peter, you, you have followed me. And Peter, maybe you did give up so much to follow me. Do you want to know what you're going to get back? And folks, I don't know if you just paid attention but Jesus said a hundredfold. But then he adds this, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Father, help us to understand as Jesus spoke to Peter. Help us as followers of Jesus Christ to listen that we might not get trapped into the thinking of Peter. What a joy and what a privilege to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for what He has done for us. And we pray that, Lord, again, if someone here tonight is lost in their sin, trusting in religion, but not in a personal relationship with Christ, that tonight they would be born again. And for your children, Lord, help us to remember why Jesus gave us this account. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see, number one, that as we go through this message, Jesus is telling a parable, but inside this parable, he's reminding Peter and us that God does not tolerate certain thinking about himself. And if we're not careful, we can think incorrectly like Peter was about God. The first thing I notice in the first five verses is this. God does not tolerate thinking that he expects us to work for nothing. 
that God expects us to work for nothing. Look at the story. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had, and this is, a, in my Bible, I underlined this word, agreed. Because when you get to the end of the message, verse 13, there it is again, agree. When he had agreed with the labors for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, let me just stop and mention a penny or um, in, in the Greek uh, denarius was a normal wage for a man. It was the normal wage for a Roman soldier uh, for one day. And he went out about the third hour. Now, on the Jewish day, that's um, uh, nine o'clock and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. What's missing with this group? Well, keep reading. And again, he went out about the sixth hour, that's noon, and the ninth hour, that's three in the afternoon, and did likewise. He found these day laborers and apparently said, Hey, you need to get to work, I'll hire you. What's missing in that, that account? We have the very first early morning group which represents Peter. And they, they had to agree with the master. They had to agree before they would work. The other groups, they just went to work. They trusted the homeowner. That's very important as we go through this. Jesus um, is saying that this man, this householder, gave the normal wage uh, watch what happens. So number one, Jesus is teaching us and Peter that God does not ever want us to get to the place where we're serving him that he does not repay. You understand that? Because sometimes we do get tired. It is difficult sometimes to be a godly mom, a godly grandparent, godly teenager, um, you go to work, fellas, ladies, you go to work and, and being a believer and, and, and trying to do your, and you get, you get taunted. You may have lost family that, that persecute you. Some of you have been so faithful as deacons, deacons' wives, Sunday school teachers, ushers, and you've been doing it for a long time. Believe me, it's sometimes easy to look around at others and say, Lord, I've been here a long time and I've worked awfully hard. Well, Jesus is teaching us we should never, ever get to the point in our Christian walk that we think God's going to ignore our labor of love. Number two, in verses six and seven, watch this. God does not tolerate any of his children remaining idle. Verse six, and about the 11th hour. Now, that would be five o'clock in the afternoon. There's basically, it's getting dark. Uh, there's one hour in the Jewish day to work. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. I feel sorry for men and women who can spend their entire Christian life and never really served Jesus Christ. It's becoming more and more common to see more and more of God's people kind of lethargically go through their life and, you know, I don't know if I want to go to church. 
I don't know if I'm going to show up in Sunday school. Go back Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're having a campaign, mission, missions week. We're having a revival meetings. Um, do I really need to read my Bible? It's becoming more and more clear to me that we've entered, and I believe the last days, so many Christians have decided to kind of remain idle. Listen, Jesus is teaching Peter and us tonight. God doesn't tolerate that. You know, Jesus said it this way. Work while it is yet day. For the night cometh when no man can work. We only have one life. We only get one chance. Wouldn't it be great if somehow after we got saved, God said, in 10 years, I'm going to give you a do-over. Every 10 years, I'll give you another do-over. But we only have one chance. Number three, verses 8 through 10, notice in the account, Jesus is teaching us that God does not tolerate desiring to break an agreement. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, watch this, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, that's five o'clock in the afternoon, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed, that word supposed means they had the thinking that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. The first group, the one, the Peter group, that said, Lord, we follow thee, we've forsaken all. What's, what, what are we going to have out of this? That's his group. Jesus said, all right, Peter. If it takes you making an agreement with me, I'll do that. But in the story, many of the laborers that were hired trusted the householder. He even said to that five o'clock crowd, you just get to work, and at the end of the day, I will pay you that which is right. These men, as they stood there, the householder purposely brought the five o'clock crowd by. Can you imagine? What? They got a penny? You'll see them comment to the householder in a minute. They thought, wow, that five o'clock crowd worked one hour. Did you see that? Man, they got a penny. Wow. That means we should be getting 12 pennies. But they had agreed. They had agreed for one. Well, God does not tolerate thinking on our part as his children. That he expects us to do things and slave for him and serve him and never, ever expect anything. But I'll tell you something. I know this is true for my wife and I. I know it's true for Dan and Kelly. I know it's true for the Wagners. God's been good to us. Have there, been, have there not been um, heartaches? Yes. Have there been for the Wagners times when it was very hard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it seems like yesterday when Dawn and I were with you and your husband two and a half years ago, and you, were go you two were going through a very difficult time. And I remember thinking, my wife and I talked about it when we left. We felt so bad, there's nothing we could do. But we agreed, the four of us, because and you said it in tears, that God is good. 
And he is. You see, there's a, I'm getting to the end of the message. Peter's got to learn something that all of us that serve our Savior need to never forget after tonight. God doesn't tolerate us thinking, God, you just want me to work for nothing. God doesn't tolerate that, that we should remain idle. That we need someone or some person to come along and, and, and invite us over and over. And, no, listen, get busy. I can tell you that this church, like so many independent Baptist churches, there's always things that can be done. Number three, God doesn't tolerate desiring to break an agreement. These men are pumped up. Man, if the five o'clock crowd got a penny, we're, we're, we're going to at least get 12. Number four, look at verses 12, or verse, excuse me, verse 11. God doesn't tolerate the thinking that he ever acts unjustly. Look at verse 11. And when they, this is the, this is the early morning crowd, the Peter crowd, when they had received it, just a penny, they murmured against the good men of the house. But you see, this was the group that made an agreement with the, with the householder. And when they got what they agreed to, yes, they worked hard. Yes, they worked all the day long. But instead of trusting that householder, they had a contract with him. And he kept his part. Now, granted, they kept their part. They worked all day. But the householder kept his promise and gave them that penny. As soon as they got it, they began to murmur. It's interesting, the householder, uh, which is, of course, God here, he knew that they were murmuring. And so that leads us to number five. God does not tolerate his children being unhappy when he does good for other people. God does not tolerate when we see God doing good things to uh, other of our brothers and sisters. He doesn't tolerate when we get upset about that. Look at at this, uh, he comments, the householder, in verse 12, saying, These last, Mr. Householder, these last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. By the way, nothing they said there is wrong. I mean, it's factual. Verse 13, but he answered one of them. Notice that. He answered one of them. Brethren, who do you think that picture's? The one of them. Peter's listening to this parable. He knows exactly what's going on. <gasps> That's me. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst, thou, didst not thou agree? There it is. With me for a penny. Sometimes we as believers see good things, blessings coming directly from the hand of God upon other born-again people. We get envious. We may even murmur. You know, murmuring's a bad habit because God indwells our hearts, our spirits. It's like, uh, oh, God doesn't know what I'm thinking. Yes, He does. <laughs> Listen what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. When we measure as families, ladies, when you individually try to measure yourself against other ladies in the church, you're walking on dangerous ground. You know what I've learned being in ministry now? It sounds a long time, but it's gone by very fast. How long for the Wagners? 26 years. 
38 years. You know what I had to learn a long time ago? When I look at other ministries, when I look at um, you know, other preachers and other churches, I've had to learn, yes, maybe they seem to have more blessing, but do you know as I'm getting older and I'm, um, I'm getting to know men um, that are older and have been, and been serving, you know, you look at the blessings, you have no idea what they've been through. You have no idea. This week, uh, we'll have missionaries, uh, 27 different mission boards. And most of the men that come with their wives are old. I mean, they're older than I am. And they've been their whole life as a young couple out of Bible college, going to a foreign field. Now they're in their 70s and 80s. Uh, they, they've come home. And they're begging young people, will you not go for us? Will you not go to these people groups? And boy, you meet them, and they're the happiest. My favorite week of the year, at least for me, to be edified is to be around missionaries. You begin to talk to them, and, and they begin to talk about what's happened to them, what happened to their children, how they've lost children or spouses, how they went through terrible ordeals. My wife read me a text this morning, one of the um, ladies we were in school with. She and her husband we're in school with us. They're in Chile. And right now, Chile is having riots. And Bonnie texted out to her friends, pray for me. Um, the men have had to go into the town, and uh, I'm alone here with the missionary's wife, and we're watching the stores, and we can hear the, the gunfire. And, you know, here, here she is. She's an assistant pastor's wife in Pennsylvania, but she finds herself at her age, and it kind of... I could tell it kind of bothered my wife. They're dear friends. If something were to happen to Bonnie and her husband, did they waste their time? Not at all. The Wesco family that was shot to death, um, Madagascar, you should hear the testimony, and I think I was here and mentioned uh, the young missionary that was driving the, Mr. Wesco and his son, he came to our college and told the story of Brother Wesco, who been, had been on the field two weeks. Eight children. He and his wife and eight children. He wasn't there two weeks. And during a brief Muslim riot, a bullet hit him right in the head and killed him. You know, the whole world and our college was like, What? What, that, that wife, they're stuck there, eight children. And by the way, God's taking care of them. When you see people like that, you go, God, bless them. Bless them abundantly. But sometimes when you're just doing your ministry and trying to live your life as a church member, you might see God do something really great for another family. God says, don't you get jealous. And don't start thinking, why is God better to them than he is to me? As we move on and almost get done, verse 14, I see another truth. God was teaching Peter and us that we should never think that, God, uh, that all God's servants will be rewarded the same. Verse 14, take that as thine. Go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. You agreed with me. Had to have a penny. You didn't trust me. All the other groups did. You take what I'm giving you. 
notice that, you take what I give you. God is the one, brethren, that is sovereign. He's the potentate. He's the great creator. And God alone has a right to do with what he will with every man and woman in this room. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach. Maybe some American believers have made themselves think this. Well, when we get to heaven, we're all rewarded the same. No. And there are many, 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 many men, women that I have met in the ministry. I've met in churches that I've tried to help look for a pastor. I have been ashamed of myself when I see the faithfulness and the, and the sacrifice of some of the best Christians I get to meet. Even I know better than to think God is going to give us all the same little participation trophies. No, God said to Peter in this parable and to me, listen, I give what I want to who I want. In closing, number seven, in verses 15 and 16, God does not tolerate questioning his goodness. God does not tolerate when we question His goodness. In the story of the account, it says in verse 15, Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called but few chosen. You see, now we understand <coughs> That Peter's question, back in 19, chapter 19, verse 27, there was a danger in that question. Because our Lord detected in Peter's heart, Peter, do you really think these things about me? Do you really think these things about my father? Peter supposed that he should get more because he deserved it. That's very dangerous. Brethren, if we serve our Lord here in the temporal, and we think we deserve the very best from God, we're headed for trouble. What's in it for us reveals our pride and selfishness, yet Jesus warns Peter and us tonight, how do you know you will get anything? You see, Jesus in, the, in verse 16, which he had mentioned in 1930, he repeats that phrase. Peter, instead of you trying to be no, numero uno, instead of you trying to lift yourself up, I'm telling you, in the day of judgment, in the day of reward, eternity, those that served humbly, those that allowed themselves to be abased, I will personally lift up. What a great truth. We should not get discouraged. When you see others, that seem to be blessed, and yet you don't seem to have the same blessings. Don't question your Father in heaven. We must be aware of watching others, measuring ourselves by them. We may see the worker. We may see the work they do, but we'll never know the heart like our Father does. But most of all, let us never criticize our heavenly householder, feeling we have been left out, feeling that we've done so much for God and, and, and forsaken so many things when we just trust the goodness of God, we will be dealt with by a most generous and loving Father. Let us not complain, nor because when we complain, when we murmur, 
we reveal that we are not fully yielded to the master's will. Tonight, are you even in the Lord's vineyard? You know, maybe you started coming back to church or you, you've just been coming. May I encourage you, if you're born again, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, get busy in the vineyard. But if you've been like so many of my friends, I look around, faithful, such faithful people. Don't ever get to the place where you think, you know, I'm not getting out of this life. I'm not getting out of this faithfulness what I think I deserve. Because when you do that, you'll find yourself making agreements with God. And you'll never come out as well as if you just trust God. Just keep serving Him. Just know that one day when we take our last breath and we stand in the very presence and glory of Jesus Christ, it will be worth it all. You know, uh, someone that most of you don't know, but I know Ann and Walter, that was Brother Treber's favorite song. Did you know that? That was his favorite song. And I remember uh, as a preacher boy and on staff, Whenever for some reason we'd sing that, he'd weep, he'd sit on that platform and cry. That meant a lot to him. I'm sure it still does. But think about it. It will be worth it all. In fact, it's going to be so much better for all of us that trust the householder than it will be for others that said, hey, you know, I, I went off and went to Bible college, or I, I, I stayed so faithful in this ministry, that ministry. Man, I can't wait God owes me. Don't be like that. Did you learn with Peter? Don't lift yourself up because you may find that in heaven you'll have to be humbled. But if we do what we do because we love our Father in heaven, we trust He's going to reward us so abundantly. I mean, He told Peter, Peter, you want to know? You gave up all. You followed me. Hey, here's what it is. A hundredfold, Peter. How about that? But Peter, you've got a problem in here. You think you deserve it. You're not trusting me. I believe after this story, Peter learned a lesson. One of the things about Peter I enjoy is I do like to see him in the Gospels. I love to see him change in the book of Acts. But I uh, was given a new class this year. I had taught 1st, 2nd Peter and Jude in Hebrews and general epistles. But I was assigned that senior level Bible class this year. And oh my... To read Brother Peter in his 60s. He died somewhere in his 60s, mid to late 60s. He was killed. To read First and Second Peter and to see the transformed man write those last letters. Wow. You talk about a man that trusted his Savior. But it took Peter. It took him a while. What's in it for us? Trust your Father in heaven. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Pastor's going to come up when I ask my brothers and sisters in Christ, have you been discouraged? Does it feel like sometimes you, you try to be faithful to Bible Baptist Church? You've tried to read your Bible. You've tried at work to be a good testimony. And, you know, sometimes it just gets plain hard. Have you caught yourself asking like Peter? Lord, I'm trying. I've seen what you do for other Christians. Lord, what's in it for me? Maybe you've grown in your heart, you've begun to murmur. You've lost that wonder of serving a Creator who saved you. You'd say, Brother Spencer, tonight, God spoke to my heart. I've, yes, I'll admit, I've gotten discouraged. 
I've even thought God's not fair. Now, I know better in my head, Brother Spencer, but in my heart, oh, I've been murmuring. Thank you for preaching this message. I needed it. Oh, Peter's not the only one that needed it. But Brother Spencer, before you pray and we have our invitation, would you remember to pray with me and for me? I need to do some business with my father, the good householder. Now, sister, brother in Christ, if that's your prayer, would you slip your hand up? I won't call, and you know that. Can I pray for you? God bless you and you. And there, thank God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly. Brother Spencer, I'm born again. I know Christ, but I've been discouraged, wondering if God even notices that I'm trying to serve Him. Thank you, sister. I see your hand in the back. Anyone else? Are you even a child of God? Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? You say, preacher, I'm lost. I've been coming and I hear this gospel message about how it's not by works, but by grace, through faith in Christ alone. And I am aware that I am headed for hell. My religion will not get me to heaven. Only Christ and His shed blood. I'm lost. I need to be born again tonight. Preacher, before you close, would you ask God to help me? I need to be saved tonight. Anyone like that? Just slip your hand up and down. I must be saved.